It's funny, man. I was naive enough for years. When people would ask me, how do I write a book? I would actually answer their question. <laughs> <laughs> like all, all the stuff to do and all the hard work. And no one wants to hear that. <laughs> like what they're looking for, pretty much everybody, what they're looking for is the trick or the secret. I'm Jim Huffman, and this is If I Was Starting Today, a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question. What would you do if you were starting today? In today's episode, I talk with Tucker Max. Tucker Max has a very impressive background. He's written four New York Times bestsellers, three that actually hit number one, sold over 4.5 million copies. He's credited with the originator of the term fratire. Um, He's doing fourth writer along with Malcolm Gladwell, Michael Lewis, and another to have three books on the New York Times nonfiction bestseller list at one time, which is insane. In addition to that, what we really get into is his business, Scribe Media, which is the business of books. Um, It's a premier place where if you have a book in your head, they pull it out from writing it, producing it, and distributing it, and marketing it. He's done it for David Goggins, Tiffany Haddish, Dan Sullivan, and more. He was Time Magazine. Magazine, 100 Most Influential People in 2009. Um, So really hope you enjoy today's episode with Tucker Max. All right. Today on the podcast, I have somebody whose content I've been reading for some time now. I think even as I was entering the, the professional career trying to become an adult, reading someone that maybe helped me transition into that phase of life, you could say. But have have Tucker Max on the podcast. But Tucker, thank you for joining today. Of course. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, yeah. So for people that don't know about you and the multiple books you've written that have been number one on the New York Times bestsellers list, how do you even introduce yourself with the things that you've done? What do you say? Um... You know, if someone has no idea who I am, I don't really, I, I don't care. I'm just like, yeah, like I, I wrote some books, so <laughs> I own a publishing company and then almost no one follows up and it's fine. It's like people, usually it breaks down like people are like Tucker Max and then they're like, oh, are they super excited? And that's like maybe 20%. And then 80 don't know, or maybe some know, but have vaguely heard or whatever, but not that many people know. And so I just, like, I don't even have that shit in my bio anymore. You know, it's on like social media stuff. So it's, it's cool. I'm happy I did it, but I'm like at a very different stage in my life, you know? Totally. Well, I think it's always interesting to go back to times when you've written something or published something, even on my own personal blog, just seeing where your state of mind was and perspective changes. Like I have two kids now and it's like my perspective now, as opposed to my twenties, you just mature, you change. So I'm actually interested, even before you became an author, talk to me about, was that always your plan to be a writer, but, or did that just, did you just stumble into it? What was life like before you started writing books? Man, I, I went to undergrad at the University of Chicago for econ and then law school at Duke. And the idea that I would be a writer yeah. was like laughable. No. In no way, shape or form was that my plan at all or to be an entrepreneur or any of that. No. Nope. I totally fell into it. it. It was basically like I got fired from being a lawyer and then I got it within three weeks and then I got fired 
from my from my family business, which is why I went to work afterward. My dad fired me from the family business in six months. And so the whole time I was writing emails to my friends that that were funny or they thought were funny. And and one of my friends is like, dude, you, you're not very good at the law and business thing, but maybe you should be a writer. And I was like, well, what am I, a bitch? That's ridiculous. I want to be a writer. That was, that, that was you know, because my image of a writer at the time was like, you know, like a dorky, nebbish, you know, the best version of that would be like Norman Mailer, who's still like a dork and a loser, John Irving or those types, right? Like who can't, yeah, I mean, they're just, <laughs> and so I'm like, no, it's not going to work. But they were like, well, you know, you, you're failing at everything else, dude. <laughs> but these... These emails are really funny. And then I started getting my emails that I was sending to them. They would like forward them to their friends. And then if you're old enough to remember email chains, you know, back before social media and all that stuff in 2000, 2001, 2002, I started getting my own emails forwarded back to me from other people in other social circles. And I was like, hmm, maybe, maybe I am a good, like a really good writer. And so I eventually, like, I sent all my stuff into publishers and agents and got zero, literally zero interest at all. But by this point, like, my stuff had kind of blown up a little bit online. Now, this is 2002. So there was only, like, I, I, whatever, 40 million people online in 2002. It was, it was a very, very different world. But still, for, for the small amount of number of people that were online, I was getting a ton of attention. I was like, all right, well, maybe there's something here. And so I, I put like my stuff, I really kind of put it online and, and then it blew up, man. And then MTV came, I like I had a dating application thing that I put up as a joke, but then girls started filling it out seriously. And so I started like meeting, this is back when meeting someone on the internet was super weird and creepy, right? Nobody did that. Now like half of people meet on the internet, but back then it was like only losers in their basement. And so like MTV did a documentary about people finding, you know, hooking up online and they, yeah. they filmed me and I was like the star <laughs> of the documentary thing. And it was like, you know, um, it kind of blew up from there. And the publishers came back and then they got a book deal and then kind of went from there. It's so interesting because th that's at a time I worked at Urban Daddy at a time when Daily Candy and Thrillist were doing email newsletters because email was this new unsaturated channel of getting content through. So you kind of combine one, you have great content, but you tack that onto this new distribution channel that really can go viral. Cause I remember those email chains. I was working in investment banking and it was like you, it was like Aaron Caro, you get these, these funny updates and it was something that was very viral because it was so easy to forward to a friend, right? So having that right channel was everything. Yeah, I, that's so funny. Aaron Carroll, I remember that dude, man. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever happened to that guy? Like he, he fell off the... He literally had never had anything but an email chain. Like his email... I remember his email. He was one of the first ones that had a huge email list. I remember that. And But like he wrote a book and it bombed and that was it. I don't even know what happened to that dude. He was huge early on. He did some stand-up stuff because I remember I went and saw him and then yeah, he wrote a book. I think he eventually wanted it to become a movie, but I don't no, think I saw anything didn't. play out with that because he was like a investment banker that was also kind of writing a, an entertaining yeah. newsletter in like the, the similar yeah. vein. Huh, that's funny. Was the stand-up any good? It had moments. Like, anyone can do stand-up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it had some moments. I may mean, give credit to anybody trying to do that, but yeah, the, he was 
I feel like there's a difference between a writer and a performer. You know what I mean? It's definitely a different yeah. skill set. Oh, dude, a hundred percent. It's so funny too, man. So many people were like, "Oh, you should do. You're funny. You should do stand up." I'm like, that is that's like saying to someone who plays Major League Baseball, "Hey, you're a good athlete. You should be in the NFL." It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> they're, they're total. You throw the ball so hard from the mound. You should be quarterback. They're totally different skill sets. Yeah, go play quarterback. I never, ever. <laughs> I was never dumb enough to like. Oh, I'm funny in one place. I can be funny everywhere. No, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is so like I'm also interested in people going from zero to one. So you see like the traction. You're like, oh, my friends think this is funny. You then get validation from the market by people forwarding, and then all of a sudden you're an MTV, and then you you get a get a book deal. And then the first book you write takes off, right? It, it's just yeah, kind of yeah. lightning in a bottle. And so yeah. I'm, I'm kind of interested, was that was there ever this moment, this is probably a really dumb question, where you're like, oh, I'm an author now. I'm, that's my career. I'm now a writer. Or were you like, oh, that's done, and I'll move on to the next thing? Or did you know, because I want to get into Scribe, but looking back, it's simple. Well, if you want to talk about identity, if you want to talk about identity, the, the crazy thing, this is the God's honest truth. I don't think I've ever identified as a writer in my life. You're a best-selling author. That's that's awesome. <laughs> right. No, but it, or even that, like really, like sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll tell people that just as a marker because they understand what that means. But I've never in my, you know, most people in the West identify their identity is wrapped in, in their job. And that probably would have been true for me if I'd gone into law or business. But like, I, I just, I never identified as a writer, even though I was obviously very good at it and famous for it and all this sort of stuff. It just never probably is, it's probably why I was so good at being a writer because most people who want to be writers fail because they want to be writers. They don't care about writing. Right. And the only reason I wrote was to make my friends laugh. That was it. And so like I happened to invent a literary genre, like the New York Times that I invented a literary genre, like I and sell millions of copies and all this stuff, because I wasn't trying to be a writer, right? I wasn't trying to have an identity. I was trying to accomplish something, right? Just make my friends laugh. Right. Which is, you know, I mean, you see this in business, same thing in business. You all the how many people do you ever see who are like playing CEO versus someone trying to grow a company, right? They're fundamentally different. So things. true. They're in love yes, with the idea. Exactly. Of it. Yeah. They want to be a fancy founder, a startup founder. They don't actually want to do any of the work. I actually didn't want to be a writer. To me, even now, the idea of being a writer, I don't I that's go you can go look on my social media stuff as not how I identify myself to people. It's not and I don't I don't look down on writers necessarily. If someone you know, whatever. I mean, pick your favorite writer. Sebastian Younger identifies as a writer. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. But it was never something I wanted to identify as. I guess because it's hard for me to think of any writers I really like and respect. There are some, but very few. And definitely very few when I was younger. At least that were alive. You know, like I liked Tolkien yeah. a lot when I was 12. But like, I'm not trying to be a, an Oxford antiquity mm. scholar or whatever. So it was, no, it was never... Never my thing. Well, it's also because it's not about the writing. It's like what you do and the writing is just a way to communicate like what you're trying to say. Right. And so it's because you're doing interesting things. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that that's, I feel like having kids too puts your identity into perspective yep. as well, yep. where it's not, oh, it's wrapped up in my job title. You know, it's a whole different outlook. 
It's true for me, man. It's not, I, I know a lot of people who I didn't know they had kids for a while. <laughs> I was like, wait, you have kids? But no, for me, I, I was fortunate, either wise or fortunate or both, that I waited a long time to have yeah. kids. And I'm a dude. So it's, it's, it's possible. I only get better as I get older, at least up to a certain point. And so I didn't have kids until I was, I think I was 36 or 37. My first, wait, no, I'm 47 now. So I would have been <laughs> 39 when Bishop showed. So like 38, my wife got pregnant. So like, um, I was ready then to be a father and to do all that stuff. And like, I'd already had enough success in my profession that I, I didn't mm-hmm. need the ego thing yeah. of, oh, I'm X or I'm Y or whatever. So like, I was ready to, to, to subvert meaningless status markers of identity for things that really matter, like husband and father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, totally. Because at the end of the day, that's what matters when you're on your deathbed. It's not like oh. it does to me, man. <laughs> it, I say it doesn't matter. And not everyone's like that. You yeah. know, like they, they don't make not everyone makes those choices. It's funny, like most people mouth that those are the choices that matter. But not a lot of people, uh, even the ones that the ones that mouth them yeah. actually live that. You know, I know a lot of people that 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 say one thing and do another. But for whether I was lucky or wise or whatever, I've always I've been able to, it's like I had my fun, reckless party stage when I was single and no responsibilities, right? So yeah. I didn't have to let anyone down except maybe the girls I hooked up with. <laughs> like, like yeah, yeah. I thought she'd be taller. Well, you get what you get. But, but now, like, <laughs> you know, I got four kids and a wife and fucking sheep, you know, and chickens. If you don't feed chickens, they die. Right, cows, <laughs> all this stuff. So dogs, that's another one. Yeah. My, my son will forget to feed the dogs. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. You understand they're going to die. He's all oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Inside.com. Are you a founder, marketer, or executive that's looking for the next untapped social channel? Then look no further. Seriously, this one just launched and it's already getting insane traffic. It's like the website love child of Reddit and Twitter, but for business. I love it because it's the social news site and community site that actually cuts through the noise, unlike other platforms. I can discover content from other founders, plus it's a great place to share my own thoughts with professionals. I'm actually starting to get a little bit of traffic from it. For me, I like the topics feature because I can easily jump into Inside. I can filter by startup content, e-commerce content, or marketing content to find things to help me learn or to help me make my own business decisions. Plus, they host AMAs. That means ask me anything so you can connect with other like-minded professionals. It's more than just news. It's an efficient way to grow your network with impressive business minds. I was sold on them because of the team behind it, Alex and Jason. This is the brainchild of Jason Kalkanis. He's one of the hosts of my favorite podcast, The All In Podcast. He's an icon in the business world, the startup world, and he knows content. So you know the qualities there. Last, you might want to grab your inside URL before someone else does. Luckily, I got Jim Huffman before my nemesis in Minnesota got it. If you want to connect with me, go to insight.com, search my name, and let's chat. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast or what you think of Insight. Let me know what you think. Well, the other thing that's smart that you did is like obviously you're you're making hit after hit with books, but then you you start to see, I assume, this formula of what works, and then you t- talk to me about when Scribe came into the equation, where you're like, "Hey, 
I should own this process because it, it's a methodology and an agency for really how to write and publish and market a book to kind of hit, yeah. hit the goals you want. Yeah. So honestly, man, it was like, I don't want to say it was lucky. Like every almost everything in my life, it kind of just fell into my lap, man. The you'll see, or every author knows, like as soon as you write a book, the number one question you get, not even what's your book about, is I've always wanted to write a book. How'd you do that? Right. I want you to give them the secret. And so it's funny, man. I was naive enough for years. I used to, when people would ask me, how do I write a book? I would actually answer their question. Like I would actually tell them like what all, all the stuff to do and all the hard work. And no one wants to hear that shit. Like what they're looking for, pretty much everybody, what they're looking for is the trick or the secret. And there is none. But this one woman basically, uh, bless her heart, was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to write the book. How do I get the book out of my head? But I don't have to do all this stuff. And I kind of made fun of her, you know, like we... You know, like I want to be, you know, yoked and ripped and not go to the gym. And like what? And but eventually she was like, kind of called me out on it. And she's because it was an entrepreneur event. And she's well, entrepreneurs are supposed to solve problems. Are you going to solve my problem or just lecture me? And I was like, oh, shit, she's right. And so then I got obsessed with the idea. Like, how do I help someone Mm -hmm. write a book without having to essentially learn how to become (laughs) a writer? Because like we talked about, like the skill of writing is fundamentally different than the skill of knowing your business, right? Like you said, mm-hmm. you're, you run a growth marketing agency. You can be a badass growth marketer and not know how to write at all. They, 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 they are different yeah. things, you know? Or like you can be a badass ad buyer, not know anything about copywriting, et cetera, et cetera. So basically, man, long, long story short, I just realized that this was actually already a solved problem. Mm-hmm. That for thousands of years, there was a job called Scribe where their entire job was to listen to people and write down what they said in a way that made sense on the page. <laughs> and and in the, for whatever weird reason, in like the 18th and 19th centuries, or the really, so the, the, the 20th, 19th, 20th centuries, writer became its own profession independent of scribe. And that writers can convince everyone that like, because of their own elitist bullshit, that, that it, it, the only valid way to have something in print is to write it yourself and all this nonsense. And, and so I was like, no, nah, that's just not true. And, you know, like it wasn't true for Jesus or Buddha and, or Malcolm X or, you know, go down the list. And so, you know, Aristotle and, or sorry, Socrates. So I just started a company that was essentially ghostwriting, but had a slightly different take on it, a different angle, right? That we're not, you know, you're not paying us to think about a book for you and then put your name on it. You're paying us to get your best book out of you. And it worked great, man. Mm-hmm. And so the company grew. I hired me and my co-founder hired a badass CEO pretty early on. And then it grew and grew and grew. And then I just sold out my share recently so I can hang out with cows and sheep on my ranch and my kids. But it did really, really well. We, we just did. We did David Goggins second book just launched. Actually, we did his both his books. We did one of Jordan Peterson's books. We've got a bunch more big ones coming up. You know, Nassim Taleb, we did. We did all kinds of others. And and they're doing great, man. The company's fantastic. And it's, I think we've done 1,500 published books in the last eight years or something like that. I don't Jeez, know. Yeah, I mean, it says you've served over 2,000 authors. You, you say a, a very interesting point, though, that I want to make sure I hit on is, 
I'm, I'm obsessed with the book Built to Sell, where it's like building a company where it's good enough to where you could sell and it could run without you. And you just said you hired a CEO in the early days. Yeah. Was that hard or was that easy? Because were you ever in that role or were you like, no, I don't want that role. I want to be the visionary. And let's yeah, I started at that role. I was CEO at the beginning and, and my co-founder was COO. And we both honestly sucked at those <laughs> positions in terms of like the actual day-to-day jobs mm-hmm. of those things. Really what I was, was the head of product and the visionary. Yeah. Right. And then really what he was, was like the pure entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Like he was like a product manager. Right. And so, so we were great together. And things were amazing at the beginning, just because I knew what had to happen. He made, got everything done and, and I could see where we were going. Excuse me. But as soon as like we needed like professional business operations, the fucking wheels went off, man. Because neither of us knew <laughs> what the hell we were doing. And and I, I don't like that stuff. And he liked it a yeah. little, but he had no experience with that stuff at all. So so the CEO was actually a client of ours. We were doing a book for him. And he loved mm-hmm. us, but was like frustrated with how dicked up we were. And so operationally, not product-wise, <laughs> but operationally. Yeah. And so he came on board and and kind of took over and ran the company and helped us scale. Like we would not he he literally 20x our company in in whatever 6 7 years. Yeah. Well, dude, that's awesome. I'm taking up a bunch of your time. Uh but Tucker, thank you so much, man, and have a good rest of the day. Yeah. I'll give a few plugs. First, I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, if you need help growing your business, check out GrowthHit. GrowthHit serves as your external growth team. After working with over 100 startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, GrowthHit has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out GrowthHit.com. And finally, I wrote a book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook that takes everything I've learned as a growth mentor for venture-backed startups, and I've distilled it down to 140 pages. So instead of hiring a growth team, save yourself some money, get the book, and you can just do it yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'd love to hear feedback. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman. Today's episode is brought to you by Inside.com. Are you a founder, marketer, or executive that's looking for the next untapped social channel? Then look no further. Seriously, this one just launched and it's already getting insane traffic. It's like the website love child of Reddit and Twitter, but for business. I love it because it's the social news site and community site that actually cuts through the noise, unlike other platforms. I can discover content from other founders, plus it's a great place to share my own thoughts with professionals. I'm actually starting to get a little bit of traffic from it. For me, I like the topics feature because I can easily jump into Inside. I can filter by startup content, e-commerce content, or marketing content to find things to help me learn or to help me make my own business decisions. Plus, they host AMAs. That means ask me anything so you can connect with other like-minded professionals. It's more than just news. It's an efficient way to grow your network with impressive business minds. I was sold on them because of the team behind it, Alex and Jason. 
This is the brainchild of Jason Kalkanis. He's one of the hosts of my favorite podcast, The All In Podcast. He's an icon in the business world, the startup world, and he knows content. So you know the qualities there. Last, you might want to grab your inside URL before someone else does. Luckily, I got Jim Huffman before my nemesis in Minnesota got it. If you want to connect with me, go to inside.com, search my name, and let's chat. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast or what you think of Insight. Let me know what you think.